This is Colin O'Keefe filling in for Bob Ambrogi. I am publisher at Lexblog, and welcome to episode 45 of This Week in Legal Blogging. Lexblog is home to the world's largest community of legal bloggers and is the industry-leading provider of professional blogs and turnkey digital publishing solutions to lawyers and the world's largest law firms for more than 17 years. It's always exciting when I get the chance to talk with some of the leading bloggers out in our community, and that is exactly the case today. I'm excited to be joined by Tracy Diamond, partner at Troutman Pepper and editor of the Hiring to Firing Law Blog. Tracy, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Like I said, it's always a thrill to get to to chat with the people behind uh, a lot of the posts, the things that I see on an ongoing basis. Uh, we're always keeping an eye on the content that flows through our community, and it's always a, a thrill to get the chance to talk with somebody who produces some of the best of it. On this program, we always are excited to hear how lawyers ended up in the roles that they're in, how they ended up in the practice areas that they've been in. You know, taking a look at your background, you've been uh, the director of HR for a large nonprofit. You filled the GC role as well, and now are a, you know, a partner at one of the nation's largest firms. You know, how'd you end up uh, on this path and, and being in the spot that you did? So um, Cheryl Sandberg once wrote that while some people's career path is a corporate ladder, others are like a jungle gym. And my career path has very much been a jungle gym. I've done various things that have sort of suited my work, family life at various times in my life, and also things that I just thought were interesting and wanted to explore. You know, as an employment lawyer, a lot of times um, people say that they wonder what it's like to be in HR, since a lot of our clients are HR representatives. And so I got to do that for a bit of time. And um, in-house is always just such a fun experience to really get to know a client, you know, up close firsthand. So when that opportunity presented itself, I jumped on that too. But after doing all these different things, I circled back into big law because I found that that was really sort of where I felt the most comfortable. Um, I got to, you know, I get to do really challenging, interesting work with really smart people. Yeah. And it's the world of employment law has to be. I don't know about dicey, but it's just, I mean, in today's world, it feels like no matter what, no matter what space that you're working in, you're like, oh, what's next? But like in the world of employment <laughs> law, that has to be especially true. I mean, you've, we've got had a pan- pandemic. We have cannabis legalization sweeping the country. Uh, you know, you have social media issues all the time uh, and a lot more. Do you ever, you know, find yourself in that position where you're like, Holy cow, like what new challenge could be on the horizon that we haven't just seen? It's like we just got finished with this one and now we're on to the next one. Yeah, you know, it's really an interesting practice because it spans all different industries, right? Any company that employs individuals, which is most every company, um, tends to have employment issues that come up from time to time. I really enjoy working in this area because you really have to stay on top of um, legislation because it's constantly changing as well as case law interpreting the legislation, which is also, you know, dependent on state law and federal law. And then, you know, what's going on in the world often impacts, or at least in this country, often impacts what's going on in the world of employment law too. So like you mentioned, cannabis legalization, you know, that has really been sort of sweeping its way across the country. Not every statute is the same. Um, And so you have to, if you're a multi-state employer, you really have to stay on top of what the do's and don'ts are. Paid sick leave is another good example. It's sort of sweeping its way across local jurisdictions and state jurisdictions, and every statute's a little bit different. So if you have employees in a whole bunch of different areas, you need to make sure you're on top of the law in that area so that you're complying with it. 
And it's really been, you know, it's exciting to have to stay on top of all that. Um, And then often like the political environment affects what's going on with the law as well. So staying on top of changing political regimes and, and what's coming out of those administrations is a big part of what we do. Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to toss in the the political side of things to, uh, you know, that slew of issues because, of course, you know, politics are, are it feels weird to say bigger than ever because it's like, obviously, that's how our government is run is politics. But still, at the same time, you have, you know, the workplace issues that come up as a result of, of, of political discourse. But then, as you mentioned, the changing administrations, you know, we curate a top 10 in law blogs every single week. And I joked last week that it wouldn't be a top 10 in law blogs without something that mentioned EEOC guidance or <laughs> NLRB rulings or something like that. There's Very true. always something from one of those bodies that changes. And then as you mentioned, those how those entities behave change drastically with the, the political landscape. So uh, yeah, that's got to be a challenge to stay on top of all of that. But we can't we can't really talk about, you know, the future or the current regime or, you know, without talking about COVID, because, you know, COVID has really sort of knocked the socks off of employment law in the past year and a half. It was a very crazy time in the beginning, watching um, clients go from, you know, restricting business travel to pay cuts and layoffs and furloughs within a matter of just weeks. And then over the last you know year, year and a half, rebuilding back up, um, figuring out how to handle that. And now the market is just so hot, um, companies are having a hard time keeping employees. So there's, it's kind of done a bit of an about face. And there's always issues that come up on both sides of that coin. Yeah, I mean, I saw you recently wrote about, uh, or I think you were quoted in a Forbes article on uh, vaccination and, and how you incentivize employees to be vaccinated. And it's like, oh my gosh, can we have one issue that is not incredibly hairy and like incredibly, <laughs> con- I mean, doesn't inspire a lot of controversy among workers, but man, it's it's one of those things where it's just, there's always something different. But, you know, speaking less so of challenges and maybe something else is, you know, what, what part of your practice as an employment lawyer are you most passionate about? What's the most fun for you? What, you know, what fires you up on a, a, a day-to-day basis? You're like, oh, this is the type of work that I love doing. Um, I really love being an advisor and a partner with my clients and making sure that their workplaces are compliant and also getting them to where they're helping them to meet their goals, their business goals. Um, it's really nice to have that seat at the table and, and be thought of as a trusted advisor to clients. So the advice and counseling part of what I do, which is a pretty significant part of what I do, um, is really the part that you know makes me want to come to work every day. And it must be. I mean, it must be a little bit easier for you having served that in-house role, having served that HR director role. Uh, that's got to make th- that part of the job, you know, for one, more enjoyable, but also just a little bit easier, huh? Yeah, I definitely think that having been on the other side and, you know, ha- having to, you know, get the advice and implement it, you know, um, makes it um, much easier for me to sort of understand what the business needs are and help to partner to get you know clients there versus sort of being on the outside throughout your career. So it definitely has helped my um, practice because I think I see things a little bit deeper and broader. Do you ever look back at your time in-house and think about the outside counsel that you work with and thought, okay, I'm not going to do that. I remember what that was like, how that was <laughs> or something like that. Or I guess it could be the positive too. We're like, oh, that was helpful. But do you ever look back at your relationship with outside counsel when you were in-house and be like, Okay, I'm going to do that a little bit differently. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think I look back on that time and think about all that I didn't know back then. You know, if I could have 
told my younger self, you know, this could be okay. And you're going to eventually wind up back outside again. And you're going to take all this knowledge you learn from the inside out. So stop worrying so much. That would be a good. Thing. <laughs> oh, isn't that life? Isn't that life to be like, it's not as, it's not as, you don't have to stress so much right now. It's going to be right. fine. It'll be all right. How many people have you heard say that, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 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 Especially that's an adage from, from a parent or something like that, where it's like, right. I think you're stressed. It's like almost when you're talking to your high school self, you're like, why are you stressed right now? This does not, you're fine. Very true. This is of course uh, a podcast about blogging. So we, I got to ask about the blog that you've been running for a, a long period of time. I felt uh, almost foolish yesterday where I was like, you know, we spoke in, in, in preparation of this. I was like, I, you created this blog, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the creation of Hiring to Firing. How did it come to be? Uh, why did you decide to start it? So um, at the time, my firm was Pepper Hamilton because we merged with another law firm, Troutman Sanders, last July. So now we're Troutman Pepper. Um, so when I was at Pepper Hamilton, I saw that we were as a we were a relatively small labor and employment group, maybe 10 to 12 attorneys and very busy and didn't have time to necessarily maintain a, um, you know, business development strategy in terms of pushing out information to our clients on a regular basis. We would send out client alerts when something really big came up, but it was very ad hoc. And I saw what others were doing, small and larger firms in the, in the market. And I thought, you know, this is an area where we're really um, missing the mark. Like it's just a gap that I think we need to fill where we can, um, in a shorter than a client alert, um, in a more sort of pithy matter, just like kind of get the information out on areas that we think are just sort of interesting and kind of keep it up on a more regular basis so that clients are feeling like they're getting information, they're getting value from us um, you know, regularly. So I spoke with our um, business development and marketing team and they were really supportive and um, we started the blog. Wow, that's cool. Were there any challenges, any pushback? I mean, I it's kind of crazy to think about. I mean, even, you know, back, this blog is now almost 10 years old. Uh, it's crazy I couldn't believe that, that when you told me. <laughs> I know, I, it's one of those things where time flies and it's like, wow, that's crazy. But uh, were there any like challenges getting it going? Was it, did you have to convince anybody to start this or was it, uh, I mean, I feel like the idea kind of speaks, you know, speaks for itself, especially in terms of delivering value to clients who are, you know, looking for that on a continual basis, but were there any obstacles or any early challenges where you're like, you know, you had to convince somebody, no, let's actually do this. Not really, actually. The firm was very supportive of it. What I did find and what's changed since then is that I did a lot of it, the sort of legwork, administrative work of it myself. So I would do the physical posting and making sure the formatting looks good and, and literally hitting the button to kind of send it out into the world. Um, myself, which I don't do that as much anymore, which is nice to have you know a little bit more um, support than back then, um, just in terms of you know bodies helping. But the firm was got very much all for it and very quickly used it as a tool to introduce to clients and to talk about in pitch meetings about you know what our capabilities are. It became a really good way for our firm to sort of showcase the labor and employment practice group um, because it's and 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 show us as thought leaders in the in all these different industries. So, you know, really supportive from the get-go. Yeah, and of course, employment law is one of the – it's one of the best areas to blog in. Because as you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, if you are a company at all who has employees, you need to be cognizant of developments in labor and employment law, obviously. Right. I mean, it's not something where it's, you know, environmental or along those lines where it's, 
you know, it's more focused. I would say one of the challenges has been um, figuring out how to kind of contain it. You know, we're a large firm and we're spread out across the country. So figuring out, you know, it's a lot of law out there and a lot of things change very quickly. You know, choosing what the right topics are, what people might want to hear about and figuring out, you know, sort of what our niche is has, has always been like a little bit challenging. Especially as being a general employment blogger, at least something that's you know, I mean, you're not, it's not like it's limited to explicitly uh, an employment discrimination blog or an FMLA blog or something like that, where it's so broad, but I feel like you guys have done a good job of finding the right approach and providing that practical guidance. That was really important to me to keep it broad. Um, You know, there was some discussion in the beginning about maybe um, just making it about leaves of absence or about another area of the law. And I thought, you know, we don't have that sort of general, let's push out information. So um, my thought was to do that sort of Q&A format, keep it really short and give ourselves the freedom to talk about whatever we think is important information of the day. And, you know, looking back, you know, we, you kind of mentioned those early days, how much more support that you have. One of the things I think is the the biggest challenge for bloggers is getting past that, you know, pseudo honeymoon phase where it's, okay, we really wanted to start a blog, really enthusiastic. And now we're 18 months in and we want to keep, you know, it's like you're not right at like where your audience is as high as you want it to be. It's not as high as it's ever going to be. And then you're also past the, like I mentioned, the honeymoon phase. You know, when you look back on, on, on those times, you know, were the, you know, what were the challenges like maybe a year or two in, was it, is this going to work? Are we going to keep it going? Or, you know, (laughs) <laughs> when you talk, yeah, when you talk about, uh, uh, you know, your time in-house and what you'd tell yourself then, I mean, what would, you know, what would you tell yourself or, or other people who are only a year in who are like, oof, this is tough in the early going, uh, are we going to see this through? You know, what when you look back on it, what was that like? So um, I think the most important thing was staying organized and getting help um, so that I wasn't drafting every blog post myself and it wasn't just sort of this sort of one person show. And I enlisted the help of our associates from the beginning and put out schedules that sort of on a six month basis, or maybe more like a four month basis. We'll do like, you know, spring, summer, fall um, and put out a schedule so that we can make sure that at least once a week we're getting a blog post drafted. Um, You know, the problem is people get really busy. And if you're, you know, in the middle of a temporary restraining order or preliminary injunction hearing, the blog post might get a little delayed. Um, and the way I've handled that is in the summer months when we have summer associates, we have those extra set of hands. It's a great summer associate project to draft a blog post because, you know, they get to sort of show their research skills and um, their writing skills. And it's a relatively quick project to do, discreet. So we try to build up um, posts over the summer so that we have some in the hopper so that if things do get delayed throughout the year, we have, um, you know, some, some blog posts ready to go. That's that's a really interesting point that I heard somebody raise once previously. It was actually uh, his name is David Staus, a, a privacy lawyer at I believe it was Hush Blackwell, who we spoke with on here previously. As far as uh, younger attorneys get involved in blogging and the benefits to them, the thing that's so funny is tr- like a lot of times you'd think, or at least the 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 you know your a quick guess would be, oh. Younger lawyers are going to be so quick to blogging. You know, they're they're tech natives. They are going to be so great at it, and they they jump right into it. Uh, but what he described was one: they're they kind of just want to just do the work of being a lawyer, and just that, 
uh, don't want to do kind of the business development stuff. And then also the writing style would end up being almost more legal versus like the less blogging because they're like fresh out of like, you know, legal writing in law school and stuff like that. But the interesting thing that you mentioned there is the exposure that it gives them to higher ups in the law firm. Uh, you know, if you wanted to prove yourself to a, a partner, which is what you are, kind of a cool little way for blogging to be able to do it. You mentioned, you know, demonstrating your, your expertise. Is that something that you found true as well, where it's, you know, associates get a chance to at least, you know, show you how they think, how they process things and how they work through stuff? For sure. And what's really nice is they get a byline too. So it's a very easy way to get a, a byline, get your name out there in the world and also create a writing sample, particularly for like the summer associates as an example. So um, I think it's been really beneficial. I don't know if, if my associates might agree if they're busy and I'm hounding them for their posts, but um, we try to keep them short for that reason so that it's not a heavy lift. I mean, if you're hounding them for posts, I, that's one of the things that I'm constantly amazed by and always impressed by are people in your position who really take on the mantle of being a blog editor. Of course, everybody's busy. That's the world that we live in. Everybody has something going on basically all of the time. Uh, if you're a partner at one of the you know hundreds largest law firms in the country, if not an even smaller number, your time is immensely valuable. Just you know, it's immensely valuable. You know, you're as busy as anybody. And, and you serve as editor of the blog. And as you've described, that's not just a title. It's not just I'm the partner who writes for this blog. You are divvying up the work. Can you describe, like, you know, like I mentioned in our, in our notes, that's different at, can be a little bit different at every single firm where maybe at some firm it is just, this is the partner whose name goes on a lot of stuff. Uh, Veres says in your position, you're doing a lot of the, the, the assigning, you know, what does the editor hat look like for you as, as the editor of hiring to firing, how much administrative work are you doing? How much organizational work are you doing on an ongoing basis? So in its current form, like I said, I have a lot of sort of back end help now. So um, I work with our business development person to, you know, make sure that we have a schedule in place going you know, forward a couple of months. Um, when the associate um, is, it's their turn. They send me a couple of ideas that they're thinking about to draft their post about. And I, okay, I approve them. If they're having trouble coming up with an idea, I help them come up with some ideas. I make sure that the idea isn't something that we've already written about. So I'm sort of the keeper of the ideas. Um, and then once the post is drafted, the lawyer will do a first draft. They'll send it to me. I'll edit it. They'll, um, you know, then the edited draft goes back to the associate. They finalize it. And then it goes to our practice group leader for like, final approval before it gets posted. So we have a whole system in place. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. I mean, and you know, this is, of course, on top of running a law practice, of right. course, you know, your day job. Um, yeah, that's not a small thing. That's not a small process. And it's impressive to hear, uh, you know, how organized it is and how, how, how that comes together. You know, speaking of the idea part of things, I really like that you guys have this, this Q&A type format where you're answering questions. Uh, I think that's so cool. And I think that's really effective, particularly in the employment law space where people just have those nuanced questions on things. But how do you come up with the post ideas? How do things flow in? How do you decide what to write on and, and how to write on them, I suppose? Um, it's a combination of um, new cases as they come down, um, you know, federal and to a lesser extent state. So a lot of our blog posts will be summarizing cases that have made new law. 
Um, and keeping in mind always our audiences, HR professionals and in-house legal departments. So cases that are of interest to that group in the employment law space. And then another group of posts are sort of new statutes that come into being. So I mentioned um, paid sick leave laws before. You know, th- those are really top of mind to HR and, and legal departments. Um, so when those come out, we'll try to stay on top of that and make sure they understand what the statute says. And then sometimes, and my favorite kind of post is where it's just something new going on in the world. And, you know, we wanted, you know, there was the election. And, you know, so that was a great time to post about, you know, political discourse in the workplace and what employers should do or not do about it. Holiday times often will do a blog post on, you know, do's and don'ts of the holiday party and, you know, what should employers do or, you know, March Madness um, when that filters into the workplace. So we try to kind of keep up with current events as well. It's funny, whenever I give kind of like strategic, you know, strategy presentations to law bloggers, you almost have to, I, I have to pause and say, one of the lines that I say is, if you want people to read what you write, you also have to write stuff that people want to read. Like you can't just be mired in EEOC guidance and NLRB right. rulings. You have to write on that interesting stuff, even if it's, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you know, the GC that you have a relationship isn't super worried about March Madness, but it's still one of those things that, it gets them thinking. It's interesting, and, and and it keeps them in touch, and it keeps their attention uh, for and sure. Our, our audience is HR professionals, in addition to the in-house legal departments. So, you know, HR folks usually are really the ones that have to deal with that kind of um, you know conduct. So, um, you know, I always am trying to keep our audience in mind, and we try not to get too technical because it's not always lawyers that are reading our posts. Yeah, and then that's one of the other things is even if it were lawyers. I, I can't say because I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know that lawyers prefer to read reading complex things. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, I don't need, even if I were a lawyer, I don't know that you need, you know, case citations and all this deep precedent right. and all that type of stuff. You know, just, I, I kind of like just reading the, you know, you might just like reading it in regular language as opposed to the deep stuff. And we try to include in most of our posts, um, some kind of employer takeaway. So, you know, for summarizing a case, we, at the end, we'll usually talk about, well, what is this? What's the bottom line here? What does this mean for your company? What should you be doing differently or what should you be watching out for? And it's one of those things that makes it really scannable too. So for example, if you saw, if you're an HR professional and you saw that something took place, you may not need that background. Like you're like, okay, I saw that that happened, but what I need is the takeaway. So I can skip right, right. to that and be like, okay, now I know, now I know. And I think that's where my HR, um, you know, work in HR previously and when I was in-house previously really came in handy for the blog because I really, and for my practice, I really try very hard to provide really practical, down-to-earth, bottom-line advice. And I really think that's what's showing through in the blog. Yeah, absolutely. I Like I mentioned, I just love that the way that you guys just go through posts and answer questions is it's one of those things where people, I don't know what it is. I feel like a lot of times law bloggers try, isn't as if they make things too complex, but I feel like they, they feel as though they have to write a treatise on everything. It's, you know, here's a complete guide to this, that, or the other, here's all this background and all of this, that, or the other. And it's, Hey, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as answering some questions. That's a really good point because sometimes it does need a deeper dive. And if we're going to do something that's going to be more complex, we'll usually do it as a client advisory, but then we'll try to, we'll summarize it in a paragraph and link to the client advisory on the blog. So it, it reaches a bigger audience. So this way we can kind of dive a little bit deeper in the client advisory, but also keep it short for purposes of the blog. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a great fit. And yeah, if you want more information, it's over here. If you don't, uh, we've got you covered right here. You mentioned earlier that that your former firm, I guess not even former, but the former Pepper Hamilton, of course, very recently merged with Troutman Sanders to now form Troutman Pepper. How does a merger, I, you know, I have a little bit of a peek behind the curtain having worked on this a little bit, but how does a merger like that play out on the content and the blogging front? I mean, do you have new lawyers to work with? Is it, you know, new voices on the blog? How does this type of thing play out uh, on the, the content and the business development blogging front? In two ways, really. One is, well, first of all, you know, the Troutman Sanders had its own blog and then Pepper Hamilton had our hiring to firing blog and we did merge them all into the hiring to firing blog. So it's now one blog for the labor and employment practice group. Um, we're a bigger practice group now because we're at a bigger firm and we're, our, our jurisdiction is broader. So we have folks in Atlanta and um, in Virginia and LA and um, Portland, Oregon, for example, um, in addition to our original offices in, you know, Princeton and Philadelphia and New York and, and whatnot. So um, our scope is a little bit broader. We'll spend more time on, on laws that are not just sort of in the mid-Atlantic region than we did before because we have people drafting from all over the country, which I think is great for our clients because our clients are all over the country. Um, and then secondly, the big difference is that I have a much bigger group of um, attorneys that are are helping with drafting blog posts now and a much more formalized structure to get them edited and 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 published. So it's not, you know, a small group of people that have to draft so many blogs per year. Now your turn comes up less often. So it's less of a bit less, you know, not quite as much of a big lift as it was before for each individual person, because there's just more of us. That's nice. Yeah. I, I It's funny because we work with so many large law firms in the position of, of Troutman Pepper. So it was almost surprising to hear that 10 years ago that the practice group was still only 10, 15 lawyers. I was like, wow, I could have imagined it was significantly more than that. So it's interesting to hear how that's developed over time. Well, thinking back, you know, like I mentioned, it, you know, this thing started almost 10 years ago. It'll be, it'll celebrate its 10th anniversary in February. It having been going this long, uh, I have to imagine you've been doing uh, something right that that some benefit should have come from this. Uh, has it been useful going on? You know, now nine years later, have you guys seen business come as a result of this? What's what have the positive effects of this been? Um, we have, you know, people have found us. Clients, uh, prospective clients, have found us just by you know subject matter when they're googling subject matter um, and have considered us as subject matter experts. Um, I have one client in particular I'm thinking of that hired us now for two cases. Um, based on finding us from a blog post. But we also very much use it in, as I mentioned before, in client pitch meetings and in marketing development efforts to show showcase ourselves as thought leaders in the employment, labor and employment area. So even though I might not be able to directly point to specific clients that came to us from blogs, it's definitely been a useful tool to get our names out there and to um, show a, show our you know show what we know to to folks and provide needed information to current clients as well. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, I mean, it's providing ongoing value is the nice thing. I mean, the relationship between a client and law firm, particularly employment law space, isn't a, you know, a start and stop kind of thing. Of course, in certain right. places with litigation, it can be. But when you're counseling, it's maintaining that ongoing relationship and the blog's a good fit in that regard. Do you have a, whether it's, you know, work or something else, maybe a an email that you receive, do you have a favorite moment from running the blog over all this time? You know, something that kind of pops in your head and you're like, oh, 
that was funny when that happened or, uh, you know, something along those lines. Do you have a favorite moment? Hmm. I can't really think of any particular post that was sort of my favorite post. Um, it's just been kind of a pretty smooth running machine at this point. So I, nothing really stands out right now. Well, smooth is better than, oh, our blog post was used against us in litigation or something like that. Really. <laughs> That's, <right here>, <laughs> That's a little, there we go, a knock on wood. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I feel like that's less common. That, I feel like that happened. Uh, the only time I've ever heard of that happening is in the appellate law space where it's very uh, writing driven and, and people really dwell on that. You know, finally, what advice would you have for other bloggers? I mean, it's it's crazy, but you know, 10 years in, you know, you're as experienced at this as anybody running something like this. You'd be, there's probably not that many people in the large law space who have served as the editor of a, of a blog for, you know, a whole decade and, and run it in a successful fashion. You know, what advice would you have for others? Any adages you live by or, or, or tricks you're willing to share? Um, I would say, you know, organization and making sure that you're meeting deadlines, you know, don't, don't put it to the bottom of the pile because it's not billable work. Um, and try to make it easy on yourself by getting help and not doing, trying to do everything yourself, um, and, and keeping your posts short. Um, you know, in this day and age, people are really busy. They're not looking to read hundreds and hundreds of words. They want to just know what the bottom line is and just sort of sticking with it. Even if it doesn't have immediate results, I mean, sometimes you send stuff out there and you don't know if anybody's on the other end reading it, but trust in the process that there are people reading it and really are, you know, finding the information useful. Absolutely. Well, it, it wouldn't be a conversation with somebody from Philadelphia without a uh, trust the process tossed in there. That's for sure. <laughs> but that's, that's a great point is uh, that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to bloggers. Something you mentioned in there is go easy on yourself. Do not make this as hard as you think it's going to be. Write short posts, answer questions. Don't make this so hard on yourself. Right. Uh, the, easy, you, the easier you go on yourself, uh, the longer you'll keep it going as you've been going for now. Uh, 10 years. Uh, I mean, that's that, that's all that we have uh, to talk about today. Tracy, thanks again for taking the time to join me. I greatly appreciate it and, and uh, excited to hear your insights. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, once again, that was episode 45 of This Week in Legal Blogging. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out our full library of shows wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, drop us a quick rating or review. We'd certainly appreciate that. And lastly, head over to lexblog.com slash T-W-I-L-B for outlines of each and every show from all of us at Lexblog. Thanks for listening and, and thanks again to Tracy for joining us. 